0: and I quit college it was something that I felt was in my heart that was instilled within my soul Mm -hmm. it wasn't even my heart it was my soul like I don't know how to explain it maybe you understand but it's something that you feel tethered in between your bones like it's in your DNA like this is something that you can't explain or express you just know that it's beyond part of you it's like who you are you know and that feeling is what you know ultimately was like screw this, like I need to leave, like I need to leave the city and I need to come to New York and, and you know, just chase what I feel like is for me. And thank God I did.
1: Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring and empowering women who are living their dreams and paving the path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez James, and this is Ellas. Hola, welcome back to AES. I'm your host, Brenda Hernandez-Jaimes. Thank you for joining us and tuning in for the 50th episode of AES. Gracias for joining us on this amazing journey of amplifying, empowering Latina voices of our communities and helping us spearhead these important conversations of how they've been paving their path in their careers and industries and life for themselves and for the next generation that is coming. You can continue supporting AS by subscribing to all the major podcast platforms, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and we're also on YouTube, so hit that subscribe button and leave a review while you're here. Let us know which has been your favorite conversation out of all 50. And I'm so happy to share that for this celebration, we have the amazing Tania Ortega to celebrate 50 Amazing Conversations. And Tania Ortega, I admire her so much. She is a trailblazer Latina. Currently, she is a fashion stylist contributor for Vogue International based in New York City with clients such as Vogue Mexico, Vogue Brazil, Vogue Spain, and E! News. While spending time assisting in being right-hand to fashion editor at large of Vogue Paris in New York, Dania has spent years nurturing high-end designer PR brand relationships, handling market for the top regions, including Europe, Latin America, North America, and Asia, as well as traveling all over the world for fashion editorials. Dania has become the New York fashion correspondent for editorial, fashion week, and production needs for Vogue Mexico and Vogue Brasil, creating beautiful fashion editorials for clients such as Gucci, Dior, Tommy Hilfiger and assist working on commercial advertisements for brands such as YSL Beauty, Estee Lauder, Jimmy Choo, Polo RL, DKY, Carl Victoria's Secret, and more. She is the former head of fashion for the highly popular TV network E News and Pop of the Morning, where she handles styling for top talent, including Liliana Vasquez, Victor Cruz, and Scott Twiddle. Dania has not only focused her talents on editorial content, but is also well rounded in celebrity dressing for Red Carpet, the VMAs, Oscars, Met Gala, CFDA Awards, Golden Globes, Tony Awards, and music videos such as Downtown by Anita featuring Jay Balvi. Being the daughter of two Mexican parents who moved to the States for a better life, Tanya has made it her mission to highly involve Hispanic and Latinos to her styling team as a way to pave the road. X talent in an industry that can easily place you in a stereotypical niche. I'm so happy to present Tania Ortega. Welcome, Tania. Hola.
0: Thank you. Wow, that introduction. I hope if I ever win an award at some point, somebody introduces me like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always call me. And if like, I can do it again. I would love to do that again. <laughs> Tania, muchas gracias for being here. I am honored that You know, you are sharing your time with us, to our listeners, and to myself about your amazing journey, and I want to start with the same question that I do with every single guest. You know, knowing what I just shared in this introduction and your amazing career, I want to know who is Tanya? You know, behind all the success and the accomplishment and the passion, I want to know who exactly is Tanya.
0: That is actually a really good question. Who I am. Aside from fashion, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I will always be this little girl that grew up watching her mom sew and sketch and cut patterns. Um, I definitely still have, I feel like, a little girl inside of me mm-hmm. um, that I feel is what grounds me. I am a very loving person, which I think... Has nurtured my relationships within the industry. That kind of like love that I have. I I love my poodle.
1: <laughs> yes, pumpkin. Correct.
0: Pumpkin. She's she's laying down right next to me, of course. <laughs> so I love Selena. Everybody knows. Yes. <laughs> if anybody asks me who Tanya is, I am reincarnated Selena. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her.
1: And talking about Selena, you recently accomplished the Vogue Mexico cover. Christian Serratos on the cover you describing yourself as a reincarnation of Selena and then doing that editorial that have us been I saw your Instagram but like can you walk us through those emotions that when that opportunity came how was it like what were you feeling how was that whole process like
0: well i didn't first of all just to clear it i didn't style that editorial i helped on that editorial, Valentina colado who, who is the fashion director mm-hmm. of Vogue Mexico, you know, she did all the creative. I flew in from New York to LA to help with the shoot because of COVID and people can't travel internationally. So I was in charge of the market and the fashion production and everything on that end. It was a really great experience. I feel like when Valentina asked me to join if I wanted to do the shoot with Christian, she was like, it's Selena. Selena inspired, you know, she's like going to be on this. I was like, uh, you don't even have to ask me twice. Yes, I'll be there. You know, she's like, I obviously can travel. So I want to send you to LA. And I was like, perfect. Like, absolutely. We worked on the mood boards together. And then we started pulling, you know, inspo. She had her inspo. I started, you know, pulling from brands in in New York and in LA that I knew, um, you know, fit the mood. and Valentina and I work really great together because I feel like we understand each other. Mm-hmm. And so we're usually on the same page. So she kind of gives me, you know, the freedom to just run with it. Um, whenever I'm like choosing pieces, etc. And I think the whole experience was really heartwarming for me because I think I think for everybody, we're so stuck with the image of JLo as Selena. Yes. It's kind of hard to picture somebody else as Selena. So I was really curious as to, you know, do the shoot and like meet her and like kind of get her vibe and ultimately make my decision if I felt comfortable her being Selena <laughs> as a fan, you know? The number one fan. Yes. So. And to be honest, I feel like she totally like Christian was such an, is literally such an amazing human being. I had the most amazing day on set with her. She is so down to earth, so easy to work with. You can tell she loves what she does. Um, She's so good at her craft. And I honestly, I feel like out of all the shoes that I've done over the years, hers is probably one of the easiest and smoothest that I've had dealing with a celebrity. And I think after getting to know her on set and we talked about, you know, the documentary and everything and the way she talked about Selena and, you know, she spoke a little bit about her upbringing with me and things like that. I feel like that kind of get a, gave a special touch. And it went beyond me feeling like, could she play Selena on TV? I think it went beyond of like, wow, like I feel like I know this person mm-hmm. and I'm really happy the way that the shoot turned out. The way that everybody worked together but just the vibe that she had on set was kind of like I'm really excited to see this documentary because she's bringing like love to this mm-hmm. character and the way she spoke about her on set I just feel like that was such a special moment for me I you know binge watched last night the series and just because you know I, I, I was you know blessed enough to be able to work with her and meet her I feel like the documentary meant even more to me and I, I really enjoyed it. So that was very, very, very special for me.
1: Oh, that's amazing to hear. And just knowing that last night you finishing the series just came full circle for you. That was Yes, it way. did. Because I,
0: I have such a, I feel like I have such a personal and emotional attachment to that character that you know I, I just feel like wow like i've not only was i able to like merge my love for fashion but then merge this one legendary mm-hmm. icon with it and then now see the documentary and i feel like i was a little girl again for sure it was i hands down one of the best experiences and and the the documentary is great i i was very very entertained
1: and talking about that little girl of like who you are and seeing that Selena is one of your favorite singers and artists, you know you're the number one fan. You and having this experience, I'm wearing Selena
0: pants. Isn't are that funny?
1: And wear, you're wearing Selena pants, like okay, it's it's meant como to. Como la see. flor, como la flor, is exactamente it. <gasps> business on top, party on the bottom. <laughs> exactly. I I love that Selena is you know part of this celebration as well, and. You know, it goes to my question because you growing up in Texas, obviously, Salida, I imagine was a big part of your life. Also a style icon because her looks-
0: 100%.
1: So I want to know, really dig into that. How were you inspired to be passionate about fashion, specifically fashion styling? How did that decision come about? You kind of- Know, teased it a bit, being surrounded with your mom, with pattern making. But I imagine you loving Selena and just having that fashion around you kind of paved the way for your interest. But how was that like?
0: Yeah, I feel like, you know, my mom has always been a creative. You know, before I was even born, she was in a club in Juarez, Mexico, in Chihuahua. My grandpa was a lawyer and so she was like in this like socialite like, club in Mexico. It was called Club de Leones and they used to have at the time like balls and like dances and stuff and she used to design her own dresses. So I feel like this comes already from generation. Mm-hmm. It's a generational thing. And so growing up, you know, I I was very much instilled and inspired by my mom She would make my clothes, I would watch her sew. We'd go to Walmart together where they, when they had like the fabric section and uh, I would go with her and choose fabric and then she'd be buying like the Alice McCall patterns. I think, I mean, even if you go still to like Michael's I believe or Hobby Lobby if they have, I don't know where else they have them. I know they have them in Texas. They always have the section of like patterns and Alice McCall is a really popular one that has been around for decades. And so I used to watch her, you know, buy the patterns for these different silhouettes that she wanted to make. And I grew up pretty much, you know, just watching her and she'd always have magazines. And like, my mom has just always been a very creative person. She loves interior designing. Everything in our home was painted, was glued, was made by her. And I feel like growing up without inspiration, you know, really... Kind of put that little seed in me and I was like, wow, I like, you know, this is really fun. I've always liked to make stuff with my hands. And so I pretty much knew I wanted to do something creative since I was in middle school. I want to say like sixth grade, Mm -hmm. fifth, sixth grade. You know, we did like a career project of like, where would you, what would you want to be when you grew up, you know? And mine was, and I wish I still had it. I feel like maybe I do it in like my home in Texas, like it has to be somewhere, but I did a whole project and it was like this binder, like this thick and all the pages were just plastered of me wanting to be in a magazine world and the fashion and everything, So that was basically, I feel like it was just always, it was something that I knew was in me. I knew that I was destined to do. And aside from me loving it, It was like this unattainable passion that I had inside of me that I was like, how am I going to like get this in my hands, you know? So yeah, and I, at the time I was growing up, you know, I was watching Mary-Kate and Ashley, they're huge fashion icons. So I think with the inspiration of Selena and Mary-Kate and Ashley, those are my top two inspirations aside from my mom that I really grasped on since I was very little and kind of grew like that. Love for creating, and I didn't really know what styling was at the time. To be honest, mm-hmm. all I knew was I don't think a lot of people knew what styling was because at the time, you know, Carleen Carleen Surf was huge, Rachel Zoe was huge mm-hmm. with celebrity VIP styling. There's really big stylists at the time, but they, I don't think that the career was so widely known as it is now. In part, I feel because of social media. But you know, at the time, I knew I wanted to do fashion design. I don't think that I realized that I wanted to be a stylist until maybe after I graduated high school. I feel it's like when I really discovered Mm -hmm. what styling was, and then I was like, "Oh my god! Like I'm I'm good at this! Like screw sketching. (laughs) 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 Let me just put it together." Yeah. So
1: yeah, I, I was looking through your Instagram stories, and you were sharing with us memories how you were in class, and you posted about like you you knew. That this was meant for you, this calling of fashion styling, because you were so dedicated and passionate in doing your schoolwork. So once you were in school and starting to be a fashion stylist, and I, like you said, it was still like kind of unknown back then. But tell us of that experience of you, you know, choosing fashion styling, discovering this love because you were enjoying your schoolwork, and then maybe the steps that you personally took to have that dream be attainable
0: so i feel like when i was 17 i started working at michael kors in the mall and this was probably i feel like my second job Mm -hmm. that i had so when i started working at michael kors i started learning how to have like client interactions you know customer service and a lot of the girls you know that would come in and shop at the store you know they wanted to like you know you you had to kind of dress them up you know help them so i started doing like personal styling there so i was very excited every time a customer would come in i'd be like oh my god like you should put those shoes with that dress and you know and i was 17 at the time so i had just graduated high school and i started working there and i was like oh my god this is so fun like i totally want to like work in fashion you know and when you get hired you kind of have to read a summary about the designer right mm-hmm. so i was reading about michael kors's upbringing and the history and you know the different brands that he designed for before he became michael kors and i was like i remember thinking to myself like i literally remember this like as if it was yesterday and i'm flipping through the binder and i'm reading it and i'm like wow this is so cool like this is totally what i want to do at the time i didn't i hadn't planned like what college i was going to go to i really wanted to go to fit in la It was so expensive. So I hadn't enrolled to college yet. And when I started working at Michael Kors, I was like, this is actually like pretty fun. Like, I think that this is what I wanna do. So I went to community college in El Paso and they had fashion technology, very small class. My teacher was literally like uh, Trish Winstead. She took care of the whole fashion curriculum in Texas for community colleges. So I couldn't have been taught by a more adequate, better person, you know. She created the courses for all of Texas Community College in fashion. And her industry knowledge and passion and just every, the intellect that she has is just beyond that. I don't think, I don't know that I would have gotten that kind of valued education at a university where there's like so many students that want to do the same thing as you. So I'm very grateful that I that I ended up at the community college. There it was a it was a class of maybe like 18, only 18 slots. And and by the end of the first semester, there was probably five of us. Like people didn't really last. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go, you know, enroll in this is what I wanna do with my life. So I ended up enrolling into that and I feel like on my second semester, so I, I turned 18. And then I quit Michael Kors. I started going to college and I was like, I really want to, I, you know, I want to work, but I really want a job where I'm enjoying or like, I can keep learning what I'm or applying what I'm learning in school into this position. Yes. So I went to the mall. I I don't really remember how I found out about this visual merchandising position at Forever 21. Mm -hmm. I was 18. I can't, I was 18 or 19. No, I was 19. I must've been 19. Something something like that. It's been like 10 years now. It's crazy. So I don't I don't really un- remember how I found about this visual merchandising position. I probably looked online. Yeah. Or was it like a worker's comp? I can't remember. Anyway, so I had a project for class. It was my fashion buying project and it was a huge binder. So you basically have to Come up with your your demographic who your customer is. You're describing how old she is. Where does she shop? Does she have kids? What when does she plan to have kids? What is her job? What car kind of car does she drive? Right then you're talking about like okay I want to make a store. Okay how much you know square the square footage of my store. Then I'm starting to calculate okay by per square footage I need to make X amount of money. What it, what kind of stands do I have? Do I have tea stands? Do I have single stands? Do I have you know like bars on the wall and what kind of you know what is my budget you know the budget of the clothes like am I red ranging clothes from $50 to 150 or do I want to cater to a more higher end customer maybe my clothes is from 200 to 500 so all these things are in are shaped into this project and I'm talking about my you know my preferred consumer where am I selling Am I direct to consumer or am I selling through Macy's to my consumer, you know? So I'm building this whole project around it. I'm building my theme, my slogan. So I take this project to Forever 21. I talk to the manager. I'm like, listen, I'm in school. Like, this is what I'm learning. I brought my project. They didn't even ask for that in, t- in the interview. Like, I just made it. I was like, you know, I really want this job. So maybe if I show it to them, like, they'll be like, oh, shit, like, this, this girl is a real deal. So when I went, you know, you know, they're like, do you have any questions? I was like, bam, you know, here's my binder. Um, this is what I'm doing. And I was hired on the spot. They were like, oh, you know, we love you. We totally would love to have you on the team. So I started working as a visual merchandiser at Forever 21. I want to say maybe under two years. And visual merchandising was so fun for me. It was, I'm very good at taking directive, mm-hmm. you know? So if anybody ever gives me some kind of direction, especially like a brand or a creative director, you know, they give you some kind of direction. I'm really good at running with it and interpreting that direction. So Forever 21, you know, visual merchandising really taught me how to apply my knowledge and my taste what to whatever creative directions that they had for each section. So I'm sure you probably shopped at Forever 21 when you were younger and you go in there and there's different sections. You know, you have the contemporary section, you have maybe a more like rocker kind of section, you know, a junior high school kind of girl. So you have different kind of girls in the store. So I was basically in charge of two to three sections. And, you know, I would come up with the colors and the prints that I wanted to put together. And I think that's when I realized, like, what is this, you know? And I realized that that was styling, which I didn't even know. But I was basically yeah. styling because I was dressing my mannequins and I was putting whatever I wanted on my mannequins. And customers would come in, you know, and they'd be like, well, I want what that's on the mannequin, you know. And then I'm, like, helping them you know, based on sometimes, you know, certain tops don't work on certain body shape. And so I learned a lot from that job. And I feel like I took away a lot from that job. And after that, I I realized that that's what I wanted to do. I quit my job. And I was like, you know, I want to do this like full time. Mm -hmm. So in El Paso, I was, I used to model locally. And I was signed with Bazaar Models. And I, you know, I told the founder, I was like, hey, like, I really want to style the girls. She's like, okay, cool. So I started working with her. So I quit and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go work with this modeling agency. They weren't paying me squat, but I was like, whatever. Like, I just want to get my foot in, you know, it's good for resume. And, you know, we had, you know, local fashion shows, Mercedes Benz fashion week. We had, I believe like two to three shows a year, like fashion shows. And then they'd have like Macy's or Dillard's sponsored fashion shows in the store. And so I was in charge of, you know, styling Mm -hmm. those. The girls there, I was young, had no idea what I was doing, by the way. The <laughs> amount of times that I screwed up, insane. And I still think about it today, like, at, at this time. And I'm like, damn, like, there's moments that I really screwed up. And I'm like, that was embarrassing. But, like, well, how could I have known then, yeah. you know? Like,
1: also, how like, could they have known? <laughs> <there were laughs> like, learning experiences.
0: Yeah. And I, you know what? I'm happy that I made those mistakes there and not here because, mm-hmm. Lord – help me. But you know, and then I started styling there. And then they had this local magazine, the city magazine. Mm -hmm. And I went up to the editor in chief. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm a stylist, I kind of want to join your team. And she was like, she liked me. And then I joined their team. So it was basically just like asking people, I also think that, you know, fashion is not big in El Paso, or at the time, it really wasn't Mm -hmm. that big. So I was lucky enough to get ahead of that curve.
1: Yeah. And I think, because you were saying earlier you know your class started with 18 students and it ended with five students that more um closeness of teaching and that curriculum and then obviously at that time the fashion industry in El Paso was smaller perhaps than it is now and but you took the necessary steps and experience on your resume so when you came to the magazine it was you were prepared to take on that editorial work. You, all this experience, these steps. And once you graduated, did you take the internship for...
0: So I didn't graduate yeah, college. You
1: didn't. Okay.
0: No, I left.
1: Because you interned with Giovanna Battaglia. Was that it? Bataglia. Taglia? Yeah.
0: Well, that that was... That's funny how life works. God is so good. Honestly, like... You know, there's nothing that I have achieved or been able to do without God and my my faith in Him. Mm -hmm. Because never in my wildest dreams do I feel like in my own power would I have connected with the people that I've connected to get to where I am. So you know, God is just so good. I when I left to New York and I left college, I didn't have the internship with Giovanna yet. That didn't Mm -hmm. happen until I got here. Okay. I actually moved to intern, I mean, to assist another stylist that I had been interning for in the summer. Then that fell through. and Then this other opportunity came in. So I didn't even have anything when I came to New York. I was just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to have to figure it out. Like, I don't know what, what to say or do. I didn't finish college because I just felt that you know, timing is just so important. Mm-hmm. It's quite tricky because sometimes people ask me if they should go to school. I think that school is very important. I think that there are many, many things that I learned mm-hmm. in college that I wouldn't have learned known now. I think that a lot of times my interns that work with me chose a route to not go to college. And that could everybody's different that could either help you or or hurt you because I definitely feel like there are many times that I want to communicate to my interns certain things and they don't know because they don't have the educational knowledge that I did have you know it's it's really good when I walk on set and the creative director or the head of the brand is talking about you know this is like this is big here on the shirt and we have a tailor a scene stress on set okay well guess what I have the knowledge of okay well why don't we draw two darts here you know and then we'll pin the back or we put two seams in the back and maybe the the seam allowance is an inch mm-hmm. and we take this in here and there and they're like oh shit because why because I have that knowledge I have mm-hmm. that education I cannot only dress someone I know how to make it work I can do two jobs at once, you know, so I it's kind of hard, like when people ask me if if like school is important, but like I did learn a lot. And when I left, it, it wasn't like I, I had only gone to school for us for a semester. I went to school for almost four semesters. I was at the end of my degree. The only thing that i had left was to present my collection that was basically it but i i had already taken all my curriculums i did the math i took the psychology i took the fashion buying fashion marketing fashion design sketching draping one draping two like literally took everything okay. so when i left i had already been interning in new york for the summer of 2014. i came to new york i lived in portchester which was an hour away from the city and i would get on the train every day to intern, maybe an hour and a half. So if my internship was at eight, I was up at 5 a.m. I would get on the train from Port Chester to Grand Central, take my subway down to Soho. And I was starting my internship. And then I would, you know, I would end the internship maybe at like six, seven. I would have to Mm -hmm. tell them like, you know, I I don't live close by. Jump on the train. By the time I got home, it was like 8 p.m. I was so exhausted. It was the most fulfilling that I've ever felt in my life. I felt like, wow, I have a mission. Like I was made for something, you know? And at the same time, I was working in Connecticut at a store part-time as an associate, which is one of my favorite stores that I've ever worked at Maj. Literally one of the best jobs that I've ever had, you know, before like being able to do Mm -hmm. this full-time. Working at Maj was such a turning point for me. The manager really believed in me. You know what I think is very important? Mm -hmm. Having people that believe in you. Yes. The amount of people that have been in my journey whether they lasted in my life a month whether it was a year whether it was 3 months every person that has been in my life has seen something in me and has cheered me on. My manager at Maj was was a Latino And so I feel like for him, he was also kind of rooting for me because you know it's like yes, like you know the Hispanic community. And so he would give me the days off that I needed to do my internship. So when I was not doing my internship, I was working at the store. I came back and then I talked to my teacher. I was like, hey, like I don't know what to do. The girl that I was interning for in the summer, Bettina Bati, was like, I really want to like have like a full time assistant. You know, like just have the same person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, well, I'll move to New York. But I think that she felt she didn't, I think that she didn't want to feel the responsibility of this young girl's quitting college to move to New York to come work for me. And I can't mm-hmm. even really compensate her mm-hmm. enough to live out here. So I think, which I totally get, like, I totally mm-hmm. understand. And so I talked to my teacher and I was like, you know, which is what that picture that I posted on my Insta story was a very like sweet reminder of that point, that was my last semester that I did in college, that picture mm-hmm. was my last project. And my teacher was like, go. She's like, you have so much time to finish school if you want, mm-hmm. you know? She's like, you have the talent, you have the drive and the hunger. She's like, go, like it's New York. Like, why would you miss out opportunity? My parents obviously were not in agreement. Thank God I was over 18 because not, <laughs> they would have not let my ass out. You know, they weren't in agreement. Yeah. I was kind of a rebellious spirit in the sense that I kind of left without really their permission. I was just kind of like, well, you know, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't want to be stuck in, in this city, mm-hmm. you know, just partying and like working in an office and like hating my life. Like, that's not what I want to do. Like, I feel like I really, God really put this calling within me. And I feel like over the years, this calling has changed. Mm-hmm. My mission has changed. And so, you know, I came, I, the internship with Bettina or the assistant position with Bettina kind of fell through. And then, you know, through connections, a person, one of my friends knew a friend that worked for style.com, which is Vogue Runway.com now at the time it was called style.com, um, where all the runway shows were being shown at. And Thanks, she so was, <laughs> yes, RIP. Oh, yeah. I loved style.com. Me too. But you know, it's revamped Vogue Runway. Okay. And so she's like, oh, my God, you know, I know this girl who's an assistant who for sure needs interns. And then Mm -hmm. she connected me to this girl, Solange Franklin. God bless her heart. Amazing human being. And, you know, I interviewed with her the week that I came. My mom was here I was like, we were in Chinatown. I was like, mom, I have to go to this interview. Wait for me at McDonald's. I'll come back. Like, I'm nervous. We prayed outside. She's like, okay, mija, todo te va a salir bien, no te preocupes, Dios está contigo, eh, whatever. So I ended up going to the interview. And then she ends up telling me, okay, well, I assist Giovanna Bataglia. I'm dying. Almost fell <laughs> off my chair. Almost fell off my chair. I was literally like, God, you knew, huh? You just knew.
1: What? There's a saying in Spanish, "Ayúdate que Dios te ayudará," and never heard it. You've never heard of it. Okay, so I, basically, that saying was basically you. You know, you helped yourself, and God helped you to have that opportunity for that entry. I think
0: God was like waiting for me to make a move, so it'd be like, okay, this is what I had for you.
1: Yeah. So,
0: but it's so funny because. Before I left to New York, I was obsessed with Gossip Girl, right? I'm obsessed with Gossip Girl. I'm like, I freaking love New York. Like, I want to live in New York. And I'm like, God, like, how do I get to New York? And I remember this like it was yesterday. Like, I can be in that space right now because it's so, it's such a, like, vivid memory Mm -hmm. for me and at the time I was following Giovanna Bataglia like I was obsessed with her I was like oh my god she is so amazing legendary icon like insane how do I get there and I remember after watching an episode of Gossip Girl I went to sleep I was like it's time to go to sleep I was looking you know going on my Instagram and one of the first iPhones that they had out was the iPhone 4 and I see her picture and I, I put my phone down and I remember asking God I'm like God how do i get in her circle like how how do how can i how can i get there at the time they were not doing internships with vogue anymore because yes. there was there was a lawsuit you know years ago mm-hmm. with unpaid internships just the whole mess. so i was like okay they don't do internships for vogue anymore so how do i get into this circle and i just remember praying about it i was you know the desires of my heart mm-hmm. and your will be done and if this truly is my calling and my destiny I know that you will put in place everything that needs to be put in place as long as I listen to you. So when I came to New York and I had the, the interview and she told me that she was the assistant for Giovanna Battaglia, like I literally kept my cool. I was talking to her, like I'm talking to you like this. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, of course I would like to enter inside. I was like, <laughs> like, I was going crazy. I was like, this cannot be happening, but of course it's happening. Like, it was insane. I left the interview and I told my mom and we started both crying. I was like, I cannot believe this. Like, what? I ended up interning for her for about a year and a half. She loved me. She, Giovanna loved me. I, oh, It was such an amazing experience for me. I learned so much from her. And I was very thankful that I didn't finish college for that reason, because I feel like you, you, you know, timing is everything. And it was not an easy decision for me. I feel like it really was not an easy decision for me to leave. It wasn't, it was easy for me to leave because I knew what I wanted and I knew Mm -hmm. what I needed to work for, but it wasn't easy for me to leave morally because, you know, being, coming from an Hispanic household, Mm -hmm. you're taught, you know, listen to your parents, get a good job, whether it's a government paying job where you're either a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. Getting that degree, which is totally understandable because their parents come from a more difficult life that they had Mm -hmm. to work to get here. So I completely understand my rebellious spirit in that sense was just kind of like, my heart is pulling me this way. And so it was not hard leaving just because of that. I didn't want to disappoint my parents, and I didn't want them to be mad at me. You know, I'm only child. I don't have mm-hmm. siblings, so everything that I do, like their world, like it's them, and then I revolve around them, you know, because like they have no other focus, mm-hmm. you know, so that was really hard for me. I didn't want to disappoint them, and I didn't want to get in a fight with them. i we did have arguments about it. There was a time where I didn't speak to either of my parents for a minute, and I think now. I hope that my parents see, I know my mom does, but I, I hope that they both see that I really needed to like follow my heart. And I also, I prayed about it. Like I, I, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go against something that maybe was not was not intended for me. So I definitely prayed a lot to God to just open my eyes and make my my journey clear to make sure that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and not chasing a dream that I was not going to, you know, be able to accomplish for whatever reason. I don't don't know, you know? So I definitely feel like when I left and I quit college, it was something that I felt was in my heart that was instilled within my soul. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even my heart. It was my soul. Like I don't know how to explain it maybe you understand but it's something that you feel tethered in between your bones like it's in your dna like this this is something that you can't explain or express you just know that it's like beyond part of you it's like who you are you know and that feeling is what you know ultimately was like screw this like i need to leave like i need to leave the city and i need to come to new york and and, you know, just chase what I feel like is for me. And thank God I did. Yeah. Jeez, there's, like, people that, like, did end up finishing the course, you know. There was, what, like, five maybe that ended up actually graduating, and, and they're all still back at home. No shade. But, like, you know, everybody's path is different. And there's two of the girls that did end up graduating that were in my class that have literally gone up heights, like they have blossomed and I support them. One of them just came to New York last year. Um, she's a pattern maker. My other friend, Abil, she is, had created her own fashion line. She's doing great. She just got featured in Vogue Mexico and Vogue Brazil, you know, but everybody's path is different.
1: Exactly, And, you know, not only did you have confidence in your skills and your dream and like you explained, it was part of your soul and you preyed on it. You, you placed that bet on yourself and- you know once that path became clear the opportunities came and it was just it was it's meant to be you accomplished it and during that year with Giovanna what were the lessons that really shaped you and just reinforced that dedication that this is your path that you are meant to be here and to that you're meant to grow and thrive in it you had those people that supported you and now in that year how was that like
0: I feel like I got to see Giovanna work in a way that not people are able to experience Mm -hmm. and I saw the passion that she had and just how authentic she was to herself creatively and how effortless it came out I think for creatives for us sometimes it's very hard to Execute what the creativeness that we have in our mind. I know for me, sometimes it's still hard for me to execute what I have in my head, right? Mm -hmm. We know what we want to do and how we want to do it, but then when we actually do it, it doesn't actually come out how we pictured it. it. Yeah, seeing Giovanna work, how the execution was detailed to the T of what she had in mind was such a big lesson for me. I saw the process as to how it began to end and i really learned from that and i really grasped that process and i try to incorporate that into my my life and my my passion for it and i think that definitely helped it grow her assistant solange you know is also very very talented she dresses now kate bosworth she was editor-at-large for paper magazine at the time you know she's A very amazing woman. I learned so much from her. She had already been with Giovanna for four years. So anything that Solange did was basically Giovanna, you know? Yeah. So I feel like learning from both and the work ethic and just the process of it, I feel like really helped me. I already knew that that's what I wanted to do. But once I saw the work that had to be put in, I had so much fun doing it. Yeah. I mean... Not gonna lie, like if there was definitely times where I cried and I was like, "Oh my god, I hate this life! Like, take me out of here!" You know, nothing is easy.
1: Nothing. But
0: I always went home feeling fulfilled, no matter what. I mean, I could have gotten yelled. I got yelled so many times in my internship, and I still went home fulfilled. <laughs> and they feel like it's exactly. like, damn, at least somebody who I who I admire is yelling at me. You know, like yeah, yeah. it's fine.
1: And you're gonna learn from them. You were learning from them. That, that yeah, time. exactly. And. Something that it's so important in your career, and I feel like it's prior to this in- internship, but I think it kind of became stronger was establishing those meaningful connections, relationships, not only surface level of connections, but really a dedication to make not only your work easier, but your life easier and have the work done. So, can you explain? Share with us how as a fashion stylist is so important to create and cultivate these relationships with other brands, designers, people inside the industry that will be in your life for the next 10, 15 years.
0: Absolutely. I feel that networking and connections is probably the one most important factor in your career. I talk to everybody the way that I'm talking to you. And this feels, feels very personable, does it not? Mm-hmm. Feels very genuine. It feels very personal. And you get to see, I feel like, the real side of me, the friendly side of the not working side of me. So I feel like when you're making relationships and you're networking with people, you really want to show who you are because those are the people that you're going to connect with the easiest. Most of my connections that I've made, whether it's at Chanel, at D Squared, at Isabel Moran. The girls that, you know, Isabel Moran, the, the PR girls are in Paris. They're not even in New York. And I have such great relationships with them. The girls at Givenchy, they're also PR'd in Paris, not in New York. I've been, you know, having these relationships for over four years. And it all comes down to the way you treat people, you know? Every time I email someone, I feel like I always try to put kind of like a personal touch to it. Like, I, if I don't know you, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more formal. I have that, like, etiquette. But mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, I'm working with someone or I bump into the same person more than twice, you know, then I start changing my approach as to how I talk to them. So a lot of my connections, you know, if I email, I'm like, hey, girl, oh, my God, I saw your Insta. I hope you had a great weekend. You know, I saw, uh, I saw this picture that you posted. You looked so cute. Anyway, you know, I'm doing this story and I would really love to, uh, you know, request these samples A, B, and C. Let me know what you think. You know, let's grab a drink soon. That already feels non-formal but like you're working, but then it feels fun, you know, that approach. A lot of times you got to remember, like, especially for me, you know, we get emails and they all sound the same. So if you are really wanting to nurture and maintain these relationships, you know, you can definitely be personal in a professional way. You always want to make it work. There's never no in your language. You know, if, if a PR person comes and is like, you know, I need this dress after your shoot, I needed in the office the next morning at 9am, you know, you obviously in your head, you know, you know, that's not going to be possible, but you don't tell them that, you know, you're like, Oh my God, girl, I totally understand you. Like, you know, I'll say something like, I will do the best that I can to get there at 9am, even though I know it's not going to get there at 9am. But it's, it's the way that I like reshape my words. And like, I make them feel that this is important. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I can get this, you know, there at 9am. And I know that. But, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work it out with them. And I'll be like, girl, text me, you know, text me if there's any issue, because I'm more reachable through text. And I will let you know when the look is on the way tomorrow morning, if there's any issues, call me, I'm totally reachable. That already seems like very, again, personal and mm-hmm. open. And, you know, people respond well to that. I feel like everybody, we all want to work easily with each other. And so the the more tolerable you can be, you're going to have a lasting impact with these people. These people are going to are going to like you. They're going to make sure that they prioritize you and your projects. And also you're going to make good friends out of it. Like I have definitely made really good friends from, you know, these girls that work in PRs and have become really good friends of mine. Claudia is one of my best friends. I met her on set like, you know, five years ago. And now she's my, you know, one of, she's my sister. Like, but again, it was all through networking and we help each other, which is the most important part as well. So I feel like nurturing your relationships. So any connection that you make, Mm -hmm. any connection that you make, because you never know if that person is going to come across another industry person and want to recommend you. So nurturing those relationships is very important and being, you know, being yourself, Learning how to be with certain people. I've learned how to communicate with different kinds of people because not everybody, you can't speak to everybody the same. I've definitely learned communicating with Americans versus communicating with Brazilian or someone from Colombia or from Mexico. Like it's all very different. Their communication styles are very different. And so being exposed to different kinds of people Mm -hmm. and diversities. You know, helps you learn how to create unique and individual relationships with very important people that are going to be important in your career.
1: Exactly. And it's great that you mentioned that because after your internship with Giovanna, you went and interned with, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced her last name, you can, how do you, Celia Azule? Celia Azule. Azule at Vogue Paris. And obviously, Vogue Japan was the Asia market, Vogue Paris was the Europe market. And obviously you had to work. It was different, same industry, but different market, different people. It was a different team. How was that learning experience? Was it a learning curve of just reinforcing being personable? And what were the lessons that you learned with Celia while you were in her styling team?
0: It's really funny how I feel like I ended up with her. When I was still with Giovanna, Solange had left. She had already been with her for over 40 years. It was mm-hmm. her time to, you know, spread her wings and fly. And so it kind of left me kind of in limbo as to where do I go? Mm-hmm. And so a new assistant came in for Giovanna, who was maybe two years younger than me or a year younger than me. And But she, you know, she's a great, great creative artist. And so she started assisting Giovanna and I wanted to stay on the team. So here's an example of someone who doesn't want you on a team and you don't know what to do. Okay. Because this led me to Celia, you know, this person gave me a a very hard time. Mm -hmm. Made me feel, you know, people always say, people always remember how you make them feel more than what you say to them. Yes. This person, I will always remember, I don't hate her. I don't, I don't, like, feel ill towards her. I think that I just, the way she made me feel was very, was very mean. And I was surprised because this was a black girl. And I'm like, we're supposed to, like, be on the same team. Mm -hmm. Like, we're both fighting for the same thing. Like, we should be lifting each other up. Nobody wants us in this room yet here we are so why am i being pushed down you know yeah so i ended my internship at vogue japan so most 90% because of that i feel like she didn't really want me on the team i i never i never felt like i was a threat to her or anything i definitely know that you know giovanna was already familiar with me mm-hmm. i was a good intern i was a really really good intern At the end, because in the beginning I was a mess, but you know, by the end I was a really good intern, and you know, I I had a lot of drive for what I was doing, Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked hard. I'm like, yo, girl, like I worked my butt off, and you're just gonna kick me off the team? I've been here for a year and a half. The sweat and the tears that I have laid in this office for Giovanna's like team, like what? So that was a really hard pill for me to swallow whatever it ended up not working out she she ultimately just didn't even want me on the team she was so mean to me and the people I had already made again talking about connections I had made connections in the office with other people from Vogue Russia Vogue Germany everybody in the office you you know I was always I was friends with the the mailman Trevor he still emails me to this day like hey how are you because nobody else talked to him yeah. And so, you know, he'd be, he he looks very mean. Like he was just face, and very mean, but like, I'm like, I know you're a teddy bear inside. <laughs> and so, you know, he'd be the one delivering us the packages or whatever. And I'd always be like, hi Trevor. Like, how are you? How's your day? And I'd always do that on purpose because I knew nobody else like talked to him and I kind of felt bad. So I was like, I really, you know, I really want to like make him feel like nice. You know, he, he's the one that brings all our freaking packages up here. And so I, I made, like, friends with everybody in the office, and Celia still lived in Paris. She was coming to New York to do a story for um, an advertisement, Lancaster, that I actually ended up doing in September in L.A., so it was very nice. It was also full circle for me. So she, you know, she, she was doing this ad campaign with this brand, and the girl the fashion assistant for Vogue Germany, Beth, she was like, hey, I know this great girl, Tanya. She's in the office and she's looking for like internships or like assisting gigs, you know? And so so it was like, okay, cool. I met Celia there and then I went to set and I was like, this is fun. And then Celia left. She didn't really talk to me much. I think uh, I also wasn't really present as much on set. I was kind of just like behind... The scenes where the clothes were just kind of like sitting there, you know, whatever she needed. And then she came back from Paris again and she asked for me. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I started getting paid finally, you know, finally. $100. But guess what? I was moving oh, yeah. up from intern to assistant. I don't know how, but I was going to make that happen. Girl, the amount of times that I lied. It was like, oh, okay, um, do you know this PR person? Can you get this? And I'm like, yeah, for yeah. sure. And then I'm turning around. I'm like, shit, who are they even repped by? I don't even know where their office is. Like I'm Googling, calling, just making shit happen. I don't like to say fake it till you make it, but like I definitely just like figured it out even Along with things way. that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she kept traveling back and forth and she kept calling me. And, and then she ultimately said that at some point she was going to move to New York and she wanted me full time. So that's how that ended up working out. And I, I think because I brought a different kind of energy around her, she really loved that. I mean, to this day, we talk every day. Like, literally almost every other day, me and Celia talk, like, all the time. She became such an influential person in my life. I don't have siblings. So the relationship that her and I had was very big sister, little sister. She never made me feel like an assistant. She always made me feel part of who she was, I feel yes. like. I also think that she enjoyed enjoyed caring for me. And because of that, I feel like I always went the extra mile for her as well. I think it was vice versa. And we just worked very well. I, she really loved my sassiness.
1: It's more <laughs> of like a sisterly mentorship, right? I imagine. Yeah. Having, unfortunately, and I talked about this with a previous guest, Stephanie Aceves, that when you're the only person of either color latina minority in the room and then someone else comes in you feel threatened that is the last thing one should do and it's unfortunate that you went through that experience because it should be unite together and let's uplift each other let's bring in more people let's grow in this industry and then having the opportunity to work with Celia it was a different experience of. I'm your sister. Let's you grow. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to guide you. And again, going back to those people that really care about you and the, to uplift you. At the end of the day, I guess through that unfortunate experience, you kind of like in seconds, you know who their true intentions are, on, are showing in their sleeve. And
0: Well, but I also feel like when you're working in this industry, like you can't mm-hmm. really take anything personal. You know, for me business is business. Like that's my number one. Like yeah. Anything that I say or do, don't ever take personal, especially with, you know, when I have interns and assistants on my team. I'm a very friendly person, but I'm also very assertive, and I like things done a certain way. And when I'm working, for me business is business. business. So, nothing that I'm doing or saying, I think that you should take personal. If you do, you can always come talk to me about it, and I'll, I'll lay it down straight for you, you know? But I think that maybe what happened at that time, I don't know if maybe it's because we were both young and immature. I don't know. I, like that could have been. I hope that over the years, this person has grown, outgrown that. I, feel, I hope that over the years, this person has maybe humbled a little bit more and been kinder a little bit more. I don't think she knows how she made me feel. Maybe she'll never know. Who knows, you know? That's not really important anymore. But age could have played a part in it. You know, I think that we, I mean, at the time we were both young, like she was 21 when she became Giovanna's assistant, which is a really big, like big shoes to fill. Yes. To fill Solange's shoes.
1: At 21.
0: You know, and then to come in like, I know it was no easy task. So I don't know. There could have just been different factors that played into that. I also know that at the time, I was not the easiest person to handle. I learned, again, how to treat people over the years with my experience and how to nurture relationships. So I just really think that it was like different kind of factors that played into that role. But the outcome was what needed it to happen. Because at the time, I remember feeling like Vogue Japan is my safety net. And so... I didn't want to leave Vogue Japan. And I think that I was fighting it with her, with the assistant, because I'm like, this is all I know. Yes. I, don't, I don't know how to work in another publication. Like, I know the market so well here, the Asian market that like, to even think of going to French, I mean, girl, French Vogue, come on. French Vogue is like, out of all the Vogues, French Vogue is top three, okay? Yes. If not the top. So for me to even like think of going to French Vogue, I was like freaking out. Because I'm like, oh my god, you know. But everything happens for a reason, and I needed that to jump again, once again, out of my safety net, Mm -hmm. and you know, join this amazing other person that I would have never met had I not had this situation happen at Vogue Japan. So everything happens for a reason. I don't resent it. I'm not mad about it anymore. I definitely held a grudge. I feel like for a minute, for a while, Mm -hmm. just because I feel like you never want to feel. Like somebody is taking something away from you that you've worked so hard for and something that you feel like you've had to kick that door down. And then for somebody to just automatically take that away from you, you're like, excuse me, like it's already hard enough for us. Yes. You know, as minorities, like now you're trying to, you know, so I feel like that was the sentiment then. But now when I, when I think about it, I'm like, you know, these are just things that sometimes happen in a person's life to get you where you need to be. And ultimately that's what ended up happening.
1: Yeah, you were taken out of your comfort zones for something greater yeah. meant for you. And you know, you were with Celia three years and over- amazing
0: years. I really don't think we argued once. Like I think we might have argued like twice within those three years, but like it could not speak any more highly of my experience with her and of her.
1: And I know that from because I learned more of you from Andrea va podcast, Latin America de moda, and you emphasized something that I think people of our generation and younger generation kind of forget the hard work you have always advocated about the administrative job and also it's it 's not always fun and games in in the fashion industry it's, just, it's hard work and I want to go deeper on that in those three years of the hard work that you put in place and how for anyone listening who wants to be a fashion stylist to remind them it's not always styling you know Giselle Bundchen it's also like it's never
0: it's never just styling when you're an assistant
1: yes so it's anything but that exactly so share with us you know those crucial moments in those three years that wasn't just styling that really shaped you who you are right now as a fashion stylist contributor for Vogue International because you handle three magazines. You know, you work alongside Vogue Mexico, Vogue Brazil, Vogue Spain, different markets, different administrative jobs as well and different styling and different relationships. So how was that like in those three years?
0: I've definitely always been a multitasker. I'm so good at multitasking. I love multitasking. Like I love doing a million things at once. I'm just some it's just something that I'm good at. And I think that I'm also, I love the business side of fashion, not, not fully <laughs> cause I get bored, but you know, I love the, I do love getting into the business side of fashion because, you know, sometimes people forget that as a stylist, like we're not just creatives who are just, you know, putting pieces together. Like, it's kind of like, it's a full thing where you're not, you know, you're, you're you're working with budgets, you know. You're working with your, you know, brand director and managing that kind of communication with with that person. You're also as a stylist, you're producing. Who do you want to cast as your talent? What kind of makeup do you want? Like you're, you're. It's kind of like a all around kind of thing. Being with Celia, I really got to learn from her how to juggle many jobs at once. You know. Probably 90% of the time we were doing three shoots in one week. So whether we were doing, you know, a French book book beauty story on a Monday and then on Wednesday we're doing a Jimmy Choo ad campaign and then on Thursday we're doing a three-day Victoria's Secret e-commerce. None of those are the same, by the way. You're doing an e-commerce, you're doing an ad campaign, and then you're doing a fashion editorial. So I definitely learned how to juggle all three kind of different businesses all together, you know? and how to incorporate different styles for for and and shape those around the same way for each director and each brand you know because the way that you style for Vogue Mexico is not going to be the same way that you're you know dressing somebody's legs for a Jimmy Choo ad campaign, which you're Mm -hmm. only going to see from the waist down. So that's the most important. You know, if you're working a beauty story, you know, what's important is neck detail because you're only seeing from here up. If you're actually doing a fashion, you know, eight to 10 page main story, then you're actually seeing the full clothes, you know. If you're doing an, you know, YSL beauty story, then, you know, you're focusing more on the skin. So these were, you know, absolutely things that I learned from Celia. And then once I learned them, I kind of just, Took off, you know. I was so good at it. I was like, I I like, love this, you know. I also feel that she was able to open a lot of doors for me. I think that being Hispanic, not many doors would have opened had I not, kind of, I think, in that sense at the time, been represented by her. She, you know, she's European, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful woman, you know, and she really advocated for me. I feel like. I don't know if she knows that she advocated for me, because she probably did it without realizing that that's what she Mm -hmm. was doing. But I noticed. And she really advocated for me and my professionalism. And she, you know, there was many times where she couldn't be, you know, present for, you know, walkthrough, or for prep, or whatever. And I feel like in those times, that's, that's when the advocating came in of like, no, like, you know, she can do it, you know, she's really good at what she does. And then I would go in and then like the client was very happy with my work, you know, representing her. And I think that kind of also opened doors for me that I don't think I would have had as as an Hispanic woman, you know. So I'm very grateful for that experience. I learned a lot. It broadened my knowledge. And ultimately, I feel like it really shaped me to be who I am now because not only do I have my own artistic passions and how I interpret those, but I also know how to dress a French woman. And I'm not French, but I know how to do that because I was mentored by somebody who has that Parisian kind of fashion Mm. style for the last three years, and I had to mimic that. Same with Giovanna, you know, I learned her way of styling just by working with her. And so then I worked with Pedro Sales, you know, for Vogue Brazil and I feel like him and Giovanna are kind of more on the similar spectrum when it comes to colors and vibrantness and, you know, exoticness. And Celia is uh, more minimalistic, chic, very Parisian. And so I got to, you know, experience all these worlds and then ultimately incorporate those into my career and like kind of shape up who I wanted to be. I think I'm still in that transition where I still still don't know exactly who i am Mm -hmm. um i think that i'm still discovering who i am because when you're working with these people and assisting these people for so long you tend you can tend to get lost into their vision Mm -hmm. right and so now you have to discover well what's your vision you know and so it's not something that comes from one day to another you know there. like i said earlier there's many things in my head that i wish i could execute and sometimes they don't come out that way but you know it's trial and error And so now I'm at the point where, you know, I know, I know my aesthetic, but I still have those, you know, tough times where I have to break away from the mentality of like how Celia would style or how Pedro would style, you know, but this is all, you know, learning you, you, this is all, you know, how you learn throughout your relationships with these people and your experience assisting these people.
1: Exactly. And I'm curious, you're talking about E! News, you were the former head of fashion uh, for E! News and Was that a time where you kind of were developing that identity of your voice of styling? Because you were saying three different people for TV, which is a whole other thing, different, you know, it's
0: totally different.
1: How, which I learned. Yeah. You learned throughout the time. So was it at a time of you discovering your voice and yes, taking in the experiences that you had with Giovanna, Celia, Pedro, but now also incorporating your voice. Was it easy or difficult how was that journey like
0: I feel like I've been trying to discover my voice since 2016 because Mm -hmm. mind you I was still doing my own projects even when I was at Celia you know I did a beauty story for Vogue Japan in 2016 Mm -hmm. I was what like 23 something like that 24 Mm -hmm. um 20 was it yeah I was 23 so that was actually my first I feel like you know, editorial for Vogue on my own. So I've been trying to discover my voice since 2016. Like any artist, you can speak, you know, talk to a singer, you can talk to an actress. Everybody evolves as time goes and the older you get, you know? So even though I've been trying to discover my voice or like, not my voice, uh, discover my creativeness since 2016, it's obviously evolved over the years as Mm -hmm. I mature and I grow, you know, into who I really am. And I don't think any woman really knows who they really are until later on in life, really, you know, Mm -hmm. even in your 30s, you're still kind of discovering yourself Mm -hmm. just at a different level, right? So definitely, I think like the E-news job, the E-news job was, I I think that when you're working with celebrities, yeah, you can incorporate some of what your taste is, but it really at the end of the day is their their, yes, their taste, taste, their aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Um so e News for me was more of a, a learning experience as to how to work in TV world. You know, I had never worked in TV world, not not in that capacity. You know, I've done many uh TV jobs for Coca-Cola, Victoria's Secret, you know, Jimmy Choo, essay Lauder, L'Oreal, like endless, endless brands, right? But in a TV capacity where it's a show that's happening every single day. I hadn't really worked on, you know, I've definitely had worked with Liliana dressing her red carpet. That was very different than doing a day to day. Because all three talent were different, you know, they're each individual, you know, it was my job to be able to speak to their individualism. In, in, you know, in incorporating their style with maybe my touch in it and making sure that they were all coordinated during TV and, like, Vic isn't wearing a denim shirt and also Scott is wearing a denim shirt, you know? It's like, okay, well, maybe Vic will wear denim pants, Scott will wear a denim shirt, and then Liliana will wear, like, yellow, you know? Like, something printed, something mm-hmm. that, like, you know, is cohesive and brings every, you know, all of them together. So I don't know that I was really able to express my, my voice styling wise mm-hmm. maybe a little bit i think it's more transparent when i do red carpet because then your client is a little bit more open to try new things when you're on tv i learned that you know your client doesn't want to try new things every single day you know they kind of want to yeah. do what they feel comfortable because if they they're not comfortable in what they're wearing that's going to show on tv and it's going to ultimately show to you you know the people that are watching it so You know, I I definitely had a lot of learning lessons in that job. I loved that job. I miss that job so much. You know, Corona came. She snatched it all the way. But, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite persons to dress was Vic because I feel like he he was just so, I feel like I, I kind of, you know, I dress like a boy sometimes. Like I'm wearing like track pants and a huge, you know, oversized hoodie, you know. So I have very, you know, I have many sides of me. And so I had really, you know, had a lot of fun dressing him. Because I, like, I could see myself in so many of his clothes, you know? I also had never dressed men before. That was my first time dressing men. So that was a pivotal moment for me of, like, wow, you know what? I learned something new about myself every damn day. Like, now I know that I can dress men. Scott and Vic are totally two different people. And, you know, with Scott it was a little bit uh, harder for me, personally, because he has, you know... He's more uh, minimalistic. He's your guy next door, you know, he's your Australian hottie, right? And then Vic is, you know, more adventurous fashion wise, you know, he doesn't mind wearing this like crazy Burberry print, you know, with like another printed, you know, Fear of God pants, right? Um, And then Liliana, I feel like she, you know, I always called her my little Jolly Rancher. You know, she just loves color. She loves to be girly. You know, from there, I definitely, I was definitely able to incorporate some of my style in there but mostly you know it's just making your client happy mm-hmm. and comfortable in what they're wearing 100% like that's the most important and you know still look good yeah so you know I was doing that and still doing you know stuff for Vogue Mexican Vogue Brazil at the same time so I was still you know able to get my juices flowing in in either
1: in you either, know yeah in each um industry in terms of the fashion spectrum and you spoke about covid obviously it has impacted every single industry changed we had to pivot transform evolve but in your case how has that been like you kind of shared that experience of doing working alongside christian for the cover with vogue mexico but how has that really shaped your team yourself and working with the other vogue magazines in getting the job done in a very seamlessly and healthy way.
0: I mean, it's definitely changed, you know, the way that we do things now. You know, before pre-COVID, you know, I had a handful of interns in my apartment, you know, sorting out the clothes, taking check in pictures, you know. Now it's kind of like a one-man team, you know. If anything, I have my one assistant, Alexis, who I love her to death. You know, I'll probably have one assistant and and then everything else. It's like, you know, we got to kind of got to do ourselves, you know, because we're not able to have as many people on set. So in that sense, you know, it's definitely changed. It's a little quieter right now in the industry. I feel like I think I think as an industry, we're still trying to navigate how fashion is going to be defined forward. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come from one day to another. I think it just comes with learning, innovating and essentially, you know, ideas how, how we can move forward. It's not easy for anybody right now. You know, it's not easy for me. You know, I break mm-hmm. down so many times a day, you know, like, you know, the amount of times I talk to my friends who are on in this industry and we all do, you know, about the same thing or are connected with each other in some way in the industry. You know, we all have these kind of conversations. They're tough conversations because I feel like, and I don't think just for me in the industry, I think for everybody in mm-hmm. any industry, you know, it's a hard time for everybody. We, still don't know how to adjust to this, you know, something that we thought was going to be four months has now, you know, basically is going to be a year of it. And so I think that, you know, with, with time, I guess we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. It hasn't been easy. It's tough for everybody. It's tough for my friends, but you know, I'm sure there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's very slow in the industry. I mean, for me personally, especially, you know, right now, and, you know, a lot of people are not really working because of that. So many people have families that work in the industry, you know, you don't want to jeopardize that as well. Working with magazines right now with Vogue Mexico, you know, it has been pretty easy because a lot of the things can be handled in New York, you know. So my home is the office and, you know, I handle a lot of things for my desk. And thank God for messengers, messenger service, right? Yes. Getting the job done. God bless. You know, but I'm definitely not having a team of five interns anymore. You know, it's mm-hmm. more like me and my, and an assistant. And then that's a wrap. Like, <laughs> you know, that's kind of it. It's also been quite nice, I feel like. Because during this time, I feel like I was definitely always like, okay, what's my next job? Where am I going to go next? Ugh, you know, and everybody's like, on, you know, hustling and grinding. I've never, I haven't had the time to just rest and take the time for myself to discover who I am. You know, speaking mm-hmm. of who I am. And get my my own personal creative juices flowing. And I've really been able to try to tap into that during this time yeah. of rest. The rest that I haven't been able to get in the last six years, you know? I haven't slept. <laughs> it's like, literally, I have not slept. When I was interning, I was bartending and doing my internship, you know, at the same time. And I was working at a store. Like, it's just been a mess, right? So... I've definitely been able to sleep <laughs> so much, right, and, and rest. But also, you know, I customized my own Air Force Ones during quarantine. I, I've been drawing, I've been painting, and I think I'm discovering a little bit more of what made me happy and why I joined fashion. And definitely over the course of the years, finding my mission within the industry. You know, why am I here? Cause it's, yes. it's really not just to dress people, you know, we're not just saving lives. That's what I love to do, but what truly is my mission. And I've really tapped into that this year. And I, have I've also grown to really love, I mean, I've always loved my roots, but really dive into that side of me. And with so many, you know, people and Latinas coming up and like, be, you know, being, you know, having more of an open conversation as to where we are going and how to help each other out. This year has really been a, a turning point for us all because we had to take that step back and yeah. rest, right? And yeah. so now we're alone with our thoughts. And so now we got to get to thinking. Now it's more of so like, okay, how do we go forward, and how can I help my people
1: exactly. in this industry
0: going forward?
1: And it goes back to, I think your time with Celia, how she, without knowing it, was advocating for you for having those doors be open, and then having that time to rest, and you. Rediscovering that mission of having Hispanic Latinos on your styling team and having more representation in the fashion industry. Can you share? I know why it's so important, because I think this is why I'm, I'm doing a yes. This is why it's so important to amplify these voices so we can have representation and reminders that Latinas are doing the work for themselves and for us and for the generation that is coming. We need to have that representation. But for yourself personally, why are you doing this mission? Why are you strengthening it during a very difficult time, but necessary time for Latinos and for the industry? So can you share with me, why is it so important for Latinos to be in your styling team and in the fashion industry, even though I already may know the answer?
0: Absolutely. My mom, I feel like, didn't really get to accomplish many of her dreams, right? Got pregnant with me when she was 27. You know, she was already married to my dad. And, you know, I think that kind of cut where her goals were going to be because now she had to take care of me, right? Mm -hmm. My dad was working all the time, you know, to try to support our family. And we had just moved to the States. And it's, it's, I've made it my mission. And it's something very important to me, because when I think about the opportunities that maybe my mom could have had, now, I'm her arm, I'm the branch, she's a tree. And so she, I don't know, you know, she's always loved fashion. And I feel like, in those times and even still now we when we think about latinas in fashion we think about seamstress tailors right because it's some you know it, whenever you you mm-hmm. encounter someone you know in LA in New York most of the time they are latina because you grow up learning how to sew and so it's it's emotional for me you know it goes beyond just wanting to help my people it really grounds myself to who my mom could have been. And and I'm that representative of that now, you know? I represent her, I represent her spirit, I represent her heart and her creativeness. Because everything that I, you know, my work ethic, the way that I am, my taste, a lot of it comes from her. And I take that very to heart. And in my internships, I didn't really see girls like me. And even on, in, in magazines then, you know, you always usually see a European girl or an American white girl. Mm. But when you think about his- Hispanics, you know, somebody that has brunette hair with brown eye. <laughs> clearly I'm not naturally blonde, <laughs> with, you know, but with brunette hair, brown eyes, olive skin tone, you, you don't see that too often. That's a representative of the Mexican heritage for mm. me, right? Yes. So now over the years i have found that it's important to cultivate that open thinking of we're not just made to do labor work we're not just made to clean houses right we're good at it <laughs> but we're not just made to do these certain things we go beyond that but nobody has opened those doors for that nobody has given that option or that opportunity i can probably bet that there's so many latinas that maybe are a seamstress back then or even now that feel that they could do more but because they don't feel encouraged Mm -hmm. to they stay stuck where they are and i didn't want to be that person you know i didn't want the people around me to be that person I left Celia with a Mexican assistant, Ana Paula, who is a dear friend of mine. Her mom and my mom grew up together. They were both best friends in high school in Mexico. And you know, I grew up, Ana Paula is a few years older than me, and I grew, when I was little, I grew up in their house with her little sister, right? There were so many play that we had. And she reached out to me and she's like, I wanna come to New York. She reached out to me almost two years ago and was like, I wanna come to New York. She used to work for Michael Kors at the store. And she's like, I would love to intern for you. And, you know, I brought her in and, you know, she interned for me. I kind of mentored her because I knew that I was my time to leave was going to be, you know, coming up. And I left her with Celia, you know. To me, that was like one of my first steps of my mission was opening the doors that were not there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, my journey has been over a six-year journey. I was able to kind of bring this to somebody in two years. You know, yes. and so I take that to heart. I think it's very important. And our voices are so important. I, it's getting to the point where for me I'm kind of tired of hearing, well, our voices need to be heard. Our voices are heard. <laughs> Just nobody is paying attention. So we gotta make the moves. Yes. Like, hey, it's time that you pay attention to me. I can do as great as a job as that white girl can do or this person can do, you know? And For me, I started, you know, I started getting, you know, Black girls into my team, Latinas into my team, like, uh, you know, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, my my Alexis, who is my assistant. She's Mexican from Chicago. I started just wanting to bring these kind of girls into my team because in some sense, I wanted to inspire them as much as I wanted somebody to inspire me, Mm -hmm. right? When I first... When I really started taking fashion seriously when I was in El Paso, one of my big role models was Carla Martinez, um, who's editor-in-chief of Vogue Mexico. I was still in El Paso going to college when she was featured in an article for the City Magazine. This was way before I had even reached out to them, right? I had just started college. So I was probably 18 when I read, or 19 when I read this article of Carla and her sister, because her sister also used to work on, on a different angle of fashion, but also in the industry here in New York. Veronica. And I read the article and I was like, wow, two Mexican, what can you believe that from the border in New York, working top notch, like, how do I get there? Right? So that was my first, I feel like an inspiration for Mm -hmm. me of like, oh, shit, I can do that too. You know, so I think in some sense, when I have my interns and assistants, I I do want to be that inspiration to them that maybe I didn't have. I mean, I definitely looked up to Carla even then. I don't even know. I don't even think she knows this. (laughs) But it's just been something dear to my heart. I feel like support is very important. I'm very grateful for Carla and Valentina. They've both really supported my career in, in any way that they can. And that is really that you see that and you get that when you put Latinas together. Yes. You create great things aside from the fact that you relate to one another personally because we all come from somewhat of a similar background right culturally Mm -hmm. and you know the Latina woman doesn't really make much money right i can probably now now that i'm older i can probably go back in time and in my head and definitely pinpoint areas where i feel i was very underpaid or felt that i wasn't really taken serious and it's funny because i feel like at some point i feel like i started dyeing my hair blonde to feel so people would react differently to me, because I was not white, right? And I do notice the difference of how I'm approached or the difference of how people interact with me from when I when I'm brunette and when I'm blonde. Isn't that crazy? Like just something so subtle?, so,
1: yeah.
0: and I'm not blonde right now anymore because of that, okay? <laughs> it was a, actually, this time was because it was the summer. But one of my my first times when I went blonde, that was kind of my thinking of like, and it's crazy because I was so young. I mean, I'm still young, but like, can you imagine when did I go blonde? Like I was probably 1920, you know, like somebody really young and having this kind of thinking of like, well, damn, like now, like, I guess I got to look American and white to like get these certain opportunities. And that's what I did. I, ha- I changed my appearance for it. To fit. To fit. Right, and so over the years, it hit me, like whoa, I didn't even realize that society was making me change to what they thought that I needed to be to be considered professional or to be taken mm-hmm. serious. I was literally changing my appearance. That is crazy to me because I did it. Didn't even hit me, right? Like I didn't comprehend that I was. Yeah. That's what I was doing. So. Now that I know that, I'm like, I don't want other people to feel that way, you know? Like, I definitely have had interns or assistants that you would look at and you're like, uh, like, I don't think they fit in. No, girl, they fit in because the creativeness comes from here, okay? Not from the outside. So, you know, there's just different aspects as to why it's important for me to have that representation within my team. I also think that I work better when I'm around people like me. Mm-hmm. And I express myself better when I'm around people like me. And, and I just want to bring like, you know, that artistic side out of me and like, you know, so other people could see that, you know, we just don't do ruffles and like sunflowers, you know, yeah. like, I, I, I know how to I'm all around, I, can, I, I know how to take care of, of different, you know, directions and you know how to handle different things. But I feel like it's all grounded because of my mom, and I always think of her anytime I do anything. So it's definitely definitely an emotional thing for me.
1: As you can see, you made me cry, you see I almost and
0: cried, but I sucked it up. You
1: sucked it up. I I cried when while you were sharing this with us with me because I can connect with that. Every I am my mother's daughter, and like you said, I am the arm and she is the tree and i am doing what i would have loved her to have accomplished because she has, she still has so much potential and and it's so true you know we are talking our voices have been here for so many years but it's up to us because maybe white people can't listen or don't want to listen but it's up to us to open those doors and create that space and you're doing that Tania. and. I love it. I can connect with that. I support that, and it just makes me happy when you said that. You left Celia with another Mexican assistant
0: that's and how- I feel like I, that that's how you keep giving right' exactly. like you 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 keep planting the seed and you keep putting in the people that you know mm-hmm. are good and fit for that job, you know, and it has nothing to do with ethnicity no. and it has nothing to do with your race. Like, but society has made it that, you know? So it's definitely like, for me, it's been, it's been really nice to be able to solidify that as a first time. And now I hope that, you know, any of my assistants that, you know, cross my path or I cross their path, ultimately can gain something from their experience with me and that I can help them grow because I still have people that help me grow you know Valentina helps me grow a lot she's a fashion director for Vogue Mexico she has been such a big part of my life and a big part of my career I feel like she's always also advocating for me you know We have a a friendship relationship, you know, so if I'm feeling down, I always call her and, you know, we talk about things and I'm, I kind of like bent to her and she uplifts me. And it's just really that, you know, Latina community of keeping each other up and, and not being threatened by, by another Latina in the room. You know everybody everybody has a place trust me like everybody has a place you know so we definitely as a community bring different sides of us right whatever that may be because Latina isn't just one thing you know we form so many different areas of the world Mm -hmm. and we all have different kind of cultures and we all bring different things to the table just because somebody says Latina doesn't mean we're all the same that's like stereotyping again you know we all bring in different things. So as a community, that's really important. Then, then you start seeing the changes, you start seeing how, you know, powerful a picture can be, you know, I've definitely, and also being a woman, right? Yeah. It's so important. I love being a woman. I've been on sets where it's all women and two guys. And I don't know, I like, it's hit me and I'm like, oh, shit. The photographer is a woman. The Digitech is a woman. The stylist is a woman. I'm you know, I was assisting Celia, I'm the woman, you know, like we're all a women team and two guys were there as production assistants. Like that's insane, you know? So also just even as a woman, like it's you know, El triunfo de una es el triunfo de todos, no? Exactly. Like you know, we all we're all triumphant together. So, and even like, you know, my best friends, you know, Claudia and Mariana, we all work in the industry and we always uplift each other, you know? And it's funny because sometimes like we're out on dinner, we like end up meeting someone who also works in the industry. And, you know, we, it's a really nice thing to have a friend that is on the same mindset. She's Venezuelan. And sometimes like, you know, the connection is like, oh my God, you know, you know, I need this for Santa. And I will be like, oh my God, Claudia so good at that. Claudia is amazing at personal styling. You should totally talk to her. Like, it's not even a competition, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you where know, where everybody has a place. Everybody's good at what they do. And sometimes Claudia would be like, oh my God, Tanya is like, that's your go-to person, you know? Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what we need.
1: We need cheerleaders. We need, again, going back to that connection, real relationships and using that to our advantages. So we uplift and grow in this, in each of our industries. And I love that. It's a topic that I've. Been talking with all my guests throughout all these 50 episodes and it's so true it needs to be repeated and thanks to the 50 episodes Hola, ellas. have you heard the news we just launched our website if you've been inspired by our conversations then you'll want to visit our site Head over to ellas mediacom for more inspiring content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, so you'll always be alerted when we publish empowering tips for you to continue paving your path in your business, project, career, and life. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so we asked our listeners, and Daniel also asked her followers, to send over questions so we can, you know, answer all of your questions here in terms of the fashion industry and to celebrate this 50th episode. So our first question is from Andres Rafael Loya. And he asked, Dania, what made you want to take on New York instead of LA? I
0: have that, the, your question. And oh. then this, I feel like this question that I have kind of ties into that. Okay. So I'm going to say it. So this girl asked, how was it moving somewhere that was so different from your hometown? Okay. I feel like I can answer these two questions yes. together. So I definitely went to L.A. for a week to kind of test out how I felt there before, like, I feel like after it was it was between the time during my internship here and college. So somewhere in that time frame, I went to L.A. for a week to kind of test it out. And it it just it didn't feel like me. I I don't. There wasn't a specific reason. I just feel that you just kind of know where you belong. Yeah. Right. And I went to LA and I just didn't feel like I belonged. I don't like the way that the city moved. I don't know. It was, I just didn't feel like myself. And when I came to New York, I came to New York for a day and I knew that I, this was my home. So there's like, you know, you kind of like, yeah. that's how off the bat I knew. And even now, when I think about like going to LA, I just can't picture myself there. I mean, I was in LA probably most of all of September, doing shootings over there. And then I kind of took some time off and stayed there. And I loved it because, you know, I have my friends and I was able to work there. But long term, there's nothing that compares to the city. I like New York is my heart. Like I just, the vibe is so different. Mm -hmm. The way people are so different. I feel like I'm just, I'm just very much a New York City girl. And then with her question, how was it moving somewhere that was so different from your hometown? I think that I don't miss my hometown, but I think it's because the mentality that I already had. I all I've always had big city mentality. Mm -hmm. So when I came to New York, I just felt so at home. New York has made me open up my mind. I feel like coming from a small town, you have you tend to be closed minded. And so coming to New York really like I struggled with myself a lot on being open minded with with a lot of different things. The first times that I ever voted was here in New York. Never before had I really been involved in politics. I really had to confront with where my faith was, like how, you know, where my spirituality was being driven. That all happened because I came to a city with an open mind. So it wasn't really hard for me to leave, you know, El Paso behind. El Paso will always be here with me in my heart you know i'm a border child you know i'm from the border <laughs> yeah but that side of me comes out when i'm handling people you know i definitely try to be humble when you know i'm on, i'm on set and just with the opportunities that i get because i try to remind myself where i'm from but that doesn't define me so I definitely, you know, it wasn't really hard for me to leave my town behind and then come to New York. I just, I knew that I, my mentality was bigger.
1: And question number two. And this is from Alexa Alvidres. Who was your favorite celebrity to dress?
0: Damn it, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite celebrity to dress. Ooh. I gotta think about that one. Who is my favorite celebrity to dress? Like for
1: anything? Mm, can we let's let's make it easier. Let's choose editorial, red carpet, music video, and TV. You have four options there. <laughs> so
0: easy. <laughs> Not s- no? s- just casual. <laughs> um editorial. I've worked with this is gonna sound so cliche. I've shot Bella Hadid like three times. And every time is my favorite time. Like I just love working with her and dressing her. She's so fun, like she's just fun, and she she just like she acts like she just acts like a friend, really. So she's probably one of my top favorite mm-hmm. that I've dressed editorially like worked with on fashion editorials. I've also worked with um Christy Turlington, and she was really great to dress also. She has that mom vibe, you know, yeah, like that mom that mom instinct, and it's very nice to be around. T- and music video, I mean, I worked on Anita and Jay Balvin. Jay Balvin was really fun to dress. I mean, he only wore a tux, but I love Jay Balvin. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And he knows I'm a fan. So, you know, that was definitely like super fun for me to dress him for that. And TV, well, TV, you know, I've had a really long relationship with Liliana. So we've always had fun in the past for Red Carpet. You know, it's always been fun because she like, she's so, she gets her head wrapped around like something. And then I'm like, no, I like this. And then she finally puts it on and she's like, no, no, you know, she kind of wants to stay in like her kind of like safe zone, mm-hmm. like wants to venture out, but also wants to feel a little safe, you know? And then I'm like, no, like, let's do edgy. Let's do like this, you know, this color is great. You're like, you look great, you know, and then we'll kind of compromise somewhere in the middle. So that's fun, you know, dressing her, of course, which one was the other one?
1: And well we said T V. Well TV would have been Vic. Vic, oh yes. And the last question on my end was from Dania Jaimez. Can you share with us the experience of working alongside Anita and Jay Belvin for the music video?
0: That was a long ass day. (laughs) You shared Um, the Insta
1: stories of like you being stressed and you're like, damn it. And my clothes? phone,
0: I was stressed. Um, I was stressed because, you know, things happen. Um, the music video, there was a creative board made for that. And then it ended up switching the night before. Anita didn't, didn't want to do that anymore. And then we had to change everything last minute. So in some of the clips that you see on Netflix that I posted on my Insta stories, you kind of see Anita a little bit frustrated or stressed out on her blazer and the bra. That was coming from the change of direction that we had done overnight. So that that was... That was crazy, <laughs> but over and all, like overall, it was such a great experience. Anita's a very hard worker. I think that I have thick skin. I also feel like there were certain qualities that Anita has that I, I also have. Mm-hmm. Like she's a boss ass bitch and I definitely have my moments where I'm a boss ass bitch. So like, again, business is business and she definitely had that mentality. And so I, I know that some people had said like working with her was like rough or something, for me it wasn't. And I don't know if it's because I have tough tough skin and like kind of, kind of relate to her on some level, right? You want perfectionism and professionalism to the top, man. right? So I didn't expect anything less. So I, I didn't see her in that light. I actually really enjoyed working with her. I, of course, enjoyed working with Jamal because I love Jamal. He's like, this <laughs> music is just like so damn good. So it was a really great experience for me. It, it very tired. Like, I probably, you know, we prepped and then shot the video and then wrapped up. And this was all like a week, you know, kind of everyday thing of like 18 hours a day, you know. So, but that's how the industry works. And I had a really good experience. I will never forget. Forget that music. But also, I loved that song. So.
1: Yes, it's such a good it song. Great. Yeah. I also, I
0: would- you know what? I love sexy women. I love sexy women. If, if a woman like especially in that music video mm-hmm. she's just like she's being herself she's embodying who she is I freaking love that like I, I'm not you know I'm very comfortable in my body so seeing that like it was just like amazing because I just I really love a sexy woman that really like grasps that and knows that and embodies it to me and you're a boss ass bitch girl the sky is the limit
1: <laughs> love it and to end this wonderful conversation, Tanya, I want to finish off with our classic question: is if you have the opportunity to travel back in time at any age, knowing what you know now, what you've accomplished, what you went through, what would you tell to younger Tanya?
0: Hmm. What would I tell? I think Andrea asked me the same thing, and I was like, huh? <laughs> Let me think about this. What would I tell that young Tanya? You know, I think that I've told myself many things to get here since I was little. Mm-hmm. So if I could go back in time, I think I would do it all over again. I think, I, I mean, if I was giving myself advice, now that I know where, where I got, I feel like I would just remind myself in the times that were tough for me, and that I wanted to give up and quit. I would just be like, cut that shit out and, like, keep going, because trust me, there is there is a trophy at the end, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there is a reward for all this, right? I think that's, like, the, the biggest advice for myself would just be to, like, you know, there was many times that I, that I, you know, I had a hard time getting here and just struggling with the fact of going away from the plan my family thought that I should follow mm-hmm. since I was little. So just not letting that take over my thoughts, and lose my time on that. Mm -hmm. And instead, focus more on how to reach those goals, right, to get to where I would eventually get to. I think that would be, that would be my advice. But I I think that I accomplished that advice on my own. Because you know, my rebellious spirit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. yeah. Yeah. You followed your heart, you followed what God was had intended for you and you bet it on yourself and your skills and your talent. And here you are. And I can't wait to see what more doors you have to open. What Same more girl, pray for open. that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I know, you know, the success is going to come and I would love to have you back here so we can, so you can give us an update, you know, wait hopefully for the hundredth or 150 episode here on a yes. So we can have, there you, back. you go. Yes. And, Tanya, for anyone who is listening and they want to reach out to you, follow you, where can they connect with you?
0: I think the best way to connect with me is uh, through my email. So, you know, you can go to my Instagram. It's Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A dot Ortega, O-R-T-E-G with two A's mm-hmm. at the end because somebody dared to take my name. So I had to add another A at the end. <laughs> you can go to my Instagram and just press contact and it'll my email will automatically pop up. So Perfect. I think the easiest way to contact me is email. People DM me and I never answer. It's very hard, for, like, I don't know what is up with my DMs, but I just like, eh. So I think email is definitely something that I look at every day, whether I open your email or not, I'm always looking in my email. So I think email would be the best point of contact for me.
1: Perfect. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. This was a great 50th episode. I'm honored that it was with Tanya because Tanya shared so much advice, so much of her journey of how she was been able to open doors for herself, for others to be and grow in the fashion industry. And thank you for supporting AS as this far. And I hope we have, I know we're going to have other 50 episodes and we're going to grow even more so you can follow us and continue this conversation this journey on instagram at of the podcast that's e double the podcast you can reach out to email if you want to be a guest here at AS the podcast at gmail.com that is e-double-l-a-s the podcast at gmail.com tania muchas gracias thank you of course thank you for having me it's such an honor and thank you so you'll be hearing another amazing conversation from another empowering Latina in two weeks. Adios. Bye. Bye. If you've been listening to A.S. for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think, and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. A was produced, hosted, and audio edited by me, Brenda hernandez Jaimez. Our video conversations are edited by Javier ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shiro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org, or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and and follow him on Instagram. This is Say Yes.